Hello everybody, welcome to episode 6 of the Fast Get Rewatch podcast. I am your host, Karma Hats, and joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello! And, you know what, thank God it's Friday again. Yeah, well it's probably Wednesday, but... Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a rest day tomorrow, that's good though. You're right, actually, yes, that is very much true, it's a rest day tomorrow. Yeah. But today, we need to work, we need to record a podcast. Yeah, we've got to record this, we've got to get mm-hmm. on with it. Yep. And, uh, yeah... <laughs> It's an episode. It's pretty good. It's I liked it. Yeah. So this one this does actually feature some alien planets and some alien plants and some alien people, and some it's an alien uh, behavior. Yeah, alien behavior. Speaking. And speaking of alien behavior, yeah. Let's get <laughs> right into it because the opening scene is Crichton is hiding from Dargo. <laughs> because Dargo is apparently having Luxon hyper rage. Yeah. He's just standing in like the cargo hold, being very, very upset and angry. Like, where is Crichton? Where are like, they? Where is he? Punches DRD. It's like, wow. Yeah. I, did they say why he's so upset? It's apparently just a phase they go through. I don't know. Mating yeah. season? Maybe. Who knows? It could be anything. Know. The point is, he's very, very angry. And has uh, been chasing after Crichton. Oh, yeah, because he had been off the ship for three days. And it took him three days to find Crichton. Crichton. <laughs> Before I actually found him to tell him. Oh. And my first thought was like, wait, Moya doesn't have an announcement system? Just go announce to the whole ship, hey, Crichton, he's gone. He's been gone for two days. Uh, you can come out now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, I think he's after Crichton. I think you're onto something, because he's after Crichton just because Crichton is another male. Yeah on the ship. And for some reason, Rigel doesn't count. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Rigel flippantly says, well, he knows better than to try and attack me. And like, no, that's no, probably he... not the case. He'd squish <laughs> you like a bug if he got the chance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dargo's been off the ship for three days at this point, and they found the planet where he was at, and everyone has gone down to the planet to go get him by the time that uh, hopefully the Lux and Hype Parade has calmed down. That's what they're Or hoping. he's killed somebody, he's... Rigel points out. Yeah, no, either or. <laughs> They just want... fight. As long as he's calmed down. Yeah, they just want to get Dargo back. So they go down to this planet. Uh, they have like a CG shot of coming down onto uh, the planet in a shuttle, which doesn't look too bad. And there's this very odd structure, which is like a inverted square pyramid with yeah, stilts. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I thought that looked interesting. Didn't look... And it's very clear that the area around the, the city is completely, well, almost completely barren. Yeah, something's going on here. So we go down there, and uh, they go into a bar. Where the most annoying music I have heard in a sci-fi series gets played. It's basically just a repeated three beats over and over and over again. <laughs> it's okay. Just We don't want any uh, oh, any, Dutch like... hi- any Dutch hyper rage. We don't want, we don't want that. <laughs> no, this is just not pretty. Uh, no, for some reason, that really annoyed me. I don't know why. It was like... Come on. Yeah. Really? I, I mean, yeah. And also, this place that they go down to, it's very sort of dirty and grubby and very much like a working place. And John even says it's uh, like Thunderdome. <laughs> Was it Thunderdome? <laughs> yeah. I thought he referenced a different movie. No, he says, he says uh, yeah, welcome to Thunderdome. And again, Aaron does not react. And he's like, Thunderdome? Okay, don't worry. Nobody saw the third one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that makes sense, actually. No, I think it was Thunderdome. <laughs> and he scares I mean, Rigel with creepy stories about that movie. It's like... <laughs> Listen, can't we get beyond Thunderdome? 
<laughs> Look, we're beyond that now. <laughs> so yeah, they're in the bar, and they found Dargo. And uh, Dargo runs up to Crichton, catches him, and hugs him. I like that Crichton's first response as Dargo runs towards him is like, run away. I mean, I I would. <laughs> I mean, given the, the last week or something, I would, that would be the most logical response. But no, he's just giving him a big, you know, embracing hug and, and he's, he's so happy laugh- to see you. Laughing. Yeah. What's the la- I don't think we've heard Dargo laugh at all in this series. Maybe uh, like a laughish, huh? But maybe nothing the, more than that. Maybe, no. Yeah. So what the hell's going on? Like. Did his hyper rage go away? I guess it did. Um, is this the final? Fa- I like what Crichton says. Is this the final stage of hyper rage getting hugged to death? <laughs> yeah, that's quite fun. And then, but no, Dargo says uh, to Aaron that he's been laboring and working and everything's okay, everything's fine, and he's no longer a warrior, and his efforts have a purpose, and he's mm. gonna work here. I like Aaron's like, God damn it, you're a warrior, behave like one. Yeah, and then he gets drawn away by uh, by one of the female patrons of the bar. <laughs> yep. Mm, with mm. not so subtle hints as to uh, why well, she's taking uh, him away. That's uh, I, I'm gonna say nothing more about it. <laughs> and then we actually have an introduction to someone who uh, someone who seems to be taking a little bit of uh, charge of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, because what's interesting is that everyone the the dominant color of this place is red, like the yes. the lights are red, the bar is red, the people are kind of red but sort of ruddy, like they've been working in the dirt, they're wearing red clothes. Yes, um, she's just actually bone white, basically. She's actually she's incredibly white. She has red eyes and she's dressed in white clothes. Yeah, almost kind of albino look. Yes, to her. and she. Uh, comes over to the rest of the crew and welcomes them to the planet, saying that she is the, the current leader and they should stay as long as they want. Yes. You can stay as long as you want. Uh, it's, uh... I mean, I personally, I like it because in this case, it's not somebody trying to sound creepy. It's just somebody trying to sound alien. I like what they were going for more than the actual... Uh, Execution the actu- of it. Ex- okay, yeah, yeah. I c- okay, I can see that. I, it didn't annoy me that much. It was a little bit grating as the episode goes on, but yeah, it's very much like I am an alien. I bring you peace. <laughs> <laughs> He's bringing us peace. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want it. <laughs> no, I didn't mind her talking that much. Anyway. So she says, you know, you can stay as long as you want and everything will be fine and then she sort of goes away. And the- <laughs> oh. I know what you're mentioning. Oh God, this is so. Aaron, Aaron says, "I don't know. Uh, I don't trust her. She gives me a Woody. It's like, <laughs> sorry, what? Pardon? You what? <laughs> Excuse me? She's uh... like, what's a human expression? I've heard you say it many times. Like when you don't trust somebody, they give you the willies, Aaron. It's the willies. <laughs> oh God, the sort of misunderstanding of the." Uh... <laughs> I, I find it. I actually find it endearing that um, Aaron is emulating some of Crichton's uh, speech. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Actually, that she, she actually likes the saying. Apparently, yeah, a bit of bonding between the two of them. That's yeah. nice. But it's just oh it's, god, she it's gives so me left feels like her. <laughs> you what? You what? <laughs> so they're on the way out of the bar, and then a woman approaches Crichton. And uh, tells him that, hey, no matter what, you, you can't leave. You no matter what they say, don't leave. 
Yeah, don't leave like, it. <laughs> very aggressively. Yeah. Um, so Crichton just obviously doesn't know what to make of this. Uh, <laughs> then there's an explosion. <laughs> then there's an explosion. And uh, so while they've been in the bar, they've been, you know, just eating and drinking. And then they go back outside and something blows up. Oh. It's very close to Rigel. And it's like, yeah. he's quite convinced that there was an attempt on his life. Yeah, he says it must have been a bomb or something. And, and it's like, nobody knows you're here. Who would want to kill you? Yeah, and they said, well, anyone who met him. <laughs> Fair. And so Aaron and Rigel go back to Moya while Crichton and Zan uh, stay on the planet and go to visit Dargo. And... What I really like is that um, the reason Aaron goes up with Rigel is because it's going to be day soon, I think. Oh, yeah. No, I actually... She can't, she, she can't be around uh, because the plan's quite hot and during yeah. the night it's fine, but once the day starts, as we know from a few episodes ago... Actually, yeah, I really like this. Uh, God damn it. Uh, the uh, Sebastian uh, heat delirium. Sebastian can't stand the heat, so she needs to go up, which I, I like because, continuity. hey, established this in the yeah. this episode, you need to take this along. And I actually like that Zan says that, will you be okay? Like, it's going to get very warm soon, and... Um, Aaron's like, as long as it's night, I'm fine. But I, I do like that Zan is actually also lo looking out for her. Yeah. And saying, like, are you okay with the heat? And so, yeah, it makes sense for her to go back with Rigel. So, yeah, uh, Aaron and Rigel have gone back to Moya. Crichton and Zan have gone to visit Dargo. And something weird is clearly going on. And they want to get him out. They wanted to, want him to come back to Moya, you know. He's way too cheery. He's way, he's gone way too far the other it's way. It's like, who the hell is this? What have you done to Dargo? Dargo is normally, when he's not uh, hyper-raging, he's normally at least a little bit grumpy and you yeah. know, surly. But he's just like, yeah, stay as long as you like. Everything's like, cool, yes, man. Yes, come in. Give me a hug. How are you doing? <laughs> Tell me all the things that, that occupy you. It's like, excuse me? Wait, what? Yeah, it's weird. So yeah, uh, Zan and John are... Basically, going to bunk at Dargo's for a bit. Yes. Well, Dargo has <laughs> his sexy times in the bedroom. Basically, the lady we've seen before. I also like that it's an alien planet, an alien race, but he still has a fold-down bed <laughs> for his friends. He, like it folds down out of the wall. And it's like it's like here's the guest bed for you two. <laughs> then actually, it's it's a minor thing, but Zon and Crichton have a discussion about that the city is in complete disrepair. Yeah, like it's... they're not maintaining it at all. Thunderdome. And Zan's like, well, material gain isn't uh, something all species strive for. And I'm like, yeah, but if you have something, you at least try to re maintain it. You might not build something new. Yeah. It's kind of a waste, especially if you live in it. Mm. Just let it fall apart. Yeah, that all makes perfect so sense because. I, I didn't actually buy Zan's response. But then again, Zan is the type that is being super accepting. And I think in this yeah. case, it's blinding her. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but again, I like that Crichton's insight is able to get around that and say, no, you know, you take care of the stuff of the place where you live, even yeah. if you don't build it up. No, I mean, I can understand if you don't want to expand, but at least make mm -hmm. sure it's uh, it doesn't fall apart around you. Yeah. Meanwhile, back on Moya, <laughs> more things are exploding. Yeah. They're coming out of Rigel's quarters. It's just, just a whole bunch of explosions in his quarters, and Aaron runs in to find him there quite visibly sweating and uncomfortable. Small explosions around him. <laughs> yeah, do you know what happened? It wasn't a bomb. It no. was It was Rigel. His... Relieving himself. <laughs> because that's actually something you mentioned earlier. It's like, 
now it all falls into place because apparently Rigel's uh, fluids are explosive now. Yeah, something has happened and his bodily fluids are exploding. Basically into nitroglycerine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I like that Aaron comes, it's like, don't move. She brings his, her gun basically straight to his face, picks up a bit of his mucus, flicks it across the room and just goes... Yeah, well, I mean, we know Hynerian biology is weird, but this is a new development. I mean, this, this ain't no helium. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she contacts Crichton saying that, you know, Rigel's bodily fluids are explosive. And Crichton being... <laughs> I like that Crichton's like, a lot of where shit's going down here. And she's like, well, a lot of shit is going up here as well. It's probably not as bad as this. And then she tells him, that, like, what's happening. <laughs> He's like... I stand corrected. Yep. <laughs> okay. And being the scientist that he is, he says, you know, do some tests. She protests that, well, she's not a scientist. No. But he says, well, get Pilot to help. He's the navigator. He's, yeah, he knows what to do. And it's like, you two can probably figure this out. Between Just the two run some you, yeah. tests. It's not rocket science. What are you doing in the meantime? No fluids, no food. <laughs> it's like Rigel's like, it's like, wait, what? That's inhumane. <laughs> <laughs> No food? <laughs> no, it's just, it's not even grumbling, it's just pure fear. He's <laughs> terrified. <laughs> I mean, I'd be terrified if my, my bodily fluids were exploding, say, but... Luckily, I don't sweat that much, but I'd be terrified of going to the toilet. <laughs> so it cuts to the next day, uh, actually, while John and Zan have been sleeping in the same bed, there's a whole bit of, um, she's undressing behind a screen to get ready for bed and he's just sleeping in his normal clothes. Mm -hmm. And it looks like she's going to come out sort of fully nude because, well, we've seen that happen a couple of times. Yeah, it's like Sand doesn't care about that. Care about that. And John's like, I'll take the ground. And she just comes out in a... Yeah, she's actually wearing like a, she's got like a blanket around her. So... Yeah, and she's like, no, 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 come on. It's, there, there's enough room and all, all, otherwise she'll get cold. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And he goes... Sleep next to her slightly uncomfortably, and during the night, while she's sleeping, she just absently puts her hand on his crotch. And he's like, I'm just gonna move that. I do if he's just like, um. And then in the morning when they wake up, he has actually turned onto his side, and his arm has gone across her. <laughs> it's just like, it's like awkward. An, I, I like that sounds like, morning, John. She's like very kind about it. It's like, uh, oh. So, I do like that it sounds like, oh, it's fine with me, but I know yeah. you. You get a bit uncomfortable, it's all just mention it to you. <laughs> uh, and John's like, I, no. It's like, I'm trying to be a gentleman here. <laughs> so at this point, it's the next day, and Dargo has told Crichton there's going to be a celebration, because tomorrow is a rest day. And they're like, wait, didn't you say that yesterday as well? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Today no. is a work day, yeah. tomorrow is a rest day. Tomorrow, it's definitely that's, that's, tomorrow. That's the point where, I'm, where I go like, hmm? Uh-oh. There's a doings a transpiring. Like, if myself and John notice it, it's probably a bad thing. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Zan and Crichton go with uh, Dargo, and Crichton notices the woman who uh, accosted him the other day, and he goes to speak to her, you know, try to find out what the hell's going on, and he just gets kidnapped and has a worm shoved inside of him. <laughs> what? Okay, let me break that down for you yeah, a little let, let... Bit, dear, few, dear listener. So basically he goes up to her and they talk and he just gets dragged into the um, carriage and they take a worm and stuff it into his navel. Ugh. It's like, I, I kind of felt that one. I think I saw this scene in the Matrix. It's not, no. <laughs> Ooh, no. Yeah, it's like, oh dear God, suddenly he's just being yeah held down and having this thing forced upon him. It's like, oh, what is even oh, going oh, on? Oh. It's very uncomfortable. 
<laughs> and uh, they say, okay, whatever you do, you have to eat. And don't tell anybody you have this in you, or they will kill you. And he's like, I just got here. What, the, <laughs> what is I this? I slept here for one night. <laughs> what is happening? So yeah, you have to eat, or otherwise it'll... Yeah. The other reason it says they have to, he has to keep eating is because otherwise the worm is going to make him really ill. Yeah. It, it feeds on the toxins, basically, is what they say. So meanwhile, while this is going on, Zan is trying to figure out what's up with Dargo. And she's asking, you know, do you really want to spend the rest of your life this way? You know, are you sure you want to do this? And he's like, yeah, it's great here. I'm very content. Yeah, he says. And Zan has been eating the food this whole time, and she yes. finds the food very satisfying. And Actually, very, there's, you know... there's a very small thing in this scene that I really, really like, because she mentions how she ended up being a priest. Oh, right, She's yeah. Like, she says, like, she understands that these things can come very suddenly, because she says, one moment I was in my cell, a savage capable of anything, Yeah. and the next moment I, well, basically she found enlightenment, and like, oh. Oh, yeah. Again, we hear about this very dark backstory for Zan. Yeah, if you remember a couple of episodes ago in Throne for a Loss, we find out that she, you know, has these very violent urges inside of her that she keeps yeah. control of. And so it's clear this, there was a very, must have had a very violent past that she has yeah. overcome. That she stepped away from. Yeah. But apparently there's, like she, like she said in Throne for a Loss, I could rip you in half and by God, I'd probably like it. And it's like, it's still there. Just so you know. But yeah, more character development. Yes. Yeah, I really yes. like that. It's a tiny bit, but I was like, oh, we're seeing more about, uh, again, we're talking about that side of her. Yeah, and she seems to be uh, relatively comfortable revealing it. Yeah, it's not, it's not a secret she has. No, but it's brought out when it's relevant and, you know, to empathize with someone. So, yeah. Back up on the ship. Oh, God. At this point. Oh, okay. So I love this so much. So basically, they froze Rigel. Yeah, they put him in uh, cryogenic Cryos stasis or stasis. cryostasis. Something yeah. like that. He's just ha floating there in some sort of small gravity field. This is actually completely the frozen. This is actually, I think, the first time we've seen Rigel's sort of full body nude. Well, he's I got like a wrap around. Oh, my God. The oh, thank God. Yeah, no, there was like a wrap of cloth around his middle. And we didn't see his genitals. Thank God for that. <laughs> Thank you, Farscape, for not doing that to us. So, uh, no, so. no. Oh. Also, um, he's completely frozen. So, you know, puppeteers, you can take the rest of the day off, basically. Very good. Hey. <laughs> like the, she's there, like, she's looking at him. It's like, completely frozen. Yeah, not sweating anymore. Nope. And she just touches his mustache and breaks it off. So, it's uh, like, whoops. The pilot's like, I would probably not touch any more important appendages. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, because she's trying to figure out how to do all of this stuff, like the test that Crichton said you know she should do, and she's got pilot on the com to try and help her out because you know she's a a soldier, not a scientist. No, and she's getting very frustrated with it. Yeah, and and again, we get nice bit of character here because mm. pilot says like, look, you need to try, and it's like, well, this stuff comes natural to you, and it's like, no. It doesn't. I have no idea what I'm doing either. No, that's not exactly what he <laughs> no, said. It's no. like, I, I work very hard on this. It's not yeah. something that comes natural to me. And he actually tells her that he's not as smart as he's letting on. Like, the rest of the crew thinks because he has this big uh, data archive at his disposal and he's yet still unable to... I mean, he's barely scratching the surface of it. Yeah, he doesn't understand 
anywhere near all of it. He can only really understand a very small percentage of all the data that Moya... Uh, I think they said that Moya is born with as a Leviathan. Yeah, actually, as a Leviathan, she gets this data storage... Uh, Built in, basically. Yeah. And, you know, when he gets bonded to her, then typically pilots will be able to access some of that, but he can't access all of it, so yeah. And he also just doesn't understand a lot of it, and he's working on it, but... Constantly, yeah, he's just always working on it to understand more, to try and... I think, actually, to try and deepen his bond with Moya, because I get the feeling that he he wants to not just understand that as a practical thing to, you know, know what he's doing, but mm -hmm. also so that he can better understand Moya. And also, I think it's also part of, he wants to help yeah, yeah, definitely. Being like, the more I know, the more I can help them. But he actually reveals to Aaron that he doesn't know half as much as uh, probably the rest of the crew thinks he does. Mm. And he says, like, I prefer you not tell anybody else. Yeah, and uh, we're really strengthening that Aaron and pilot bond. Yeah, because she's like, uh. well, why do you tell me? Because I think I can trust you. Yeah, because this was set up by you know, Exodus from Genesis, where he has the scene with uh, Aaron, and he says that she's the only peacekeeper he can look at without fear. And Exactly. Again, we get reference to the back that that slight relationship has been set up, and it's being deepened by him telling her a secret. And it's to boost her own confidence as well, to say that, hey, we're all it's, struggling it's, And it's more than just natural-born talent. Science is also yes. just hard work. Yeah, and I which I can say from experience. Uh, yep, yeah, me too. Yes. Like, I can, I absolutely love anything that refutes things of natural talent because talent is kind of bullshit. It's just hard work. And yeah, hard I, work is. I'll way be completely more... honest. I have way, I do way too little hard work, but that's completely <laughs> personal. But, like, hard work is way more important. Yes, if talent, always. If talent even exists, which. Talent, so on some even days, if talent exists, talent has a limit. At some point, you run out. And it means talent doesn't expand. It means nothing without parts. hard work. Hard work can push you beyond. Uh, once you get at some ceiling by hard work, you can push beyond that with more hard work. Talent is a ceiling that doesn't get heightened by more talent because if it really is something inborn, that's where it ends. You don't get more stops, as you live. Yeah. So, yeah, Pilot basically saying to Aaron that, you know, and again, it is this theme that keeps coming up with Aaron that you can be more than what you were bred to be. Yeah. By working at it. And so she takes it on herself to actually go ahead with it and do the science tests and figure mm -hmm. out what the hell is going on with Rigel. Like, why is he pissing nitrogen, <laughs> nitroglycerin, basically? Yeah, you know, take samples, analyze them, figure out what's going on, do it all without uh, Rigel exploding. This is basically a cross between. Luckily, he's frozen, but. Yeah, it's sort of a cross between, you know, medical science and bomb defusal. <laughs> really. Wow. Damn, you're right. But yeah, again, really great scene between the two of them, between Aaron and Pilot. Mm. Love it. We then jump back to. Um, back to the planet. planet. Yeah. Where John is waking up at this point. And <laughs> in theme with other Farscape episodes, has the worst hangover ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, like, we're going back to Throne for a Loss here. You know, people getting things in injected into them that make them feel terrible. Yep. <laughs> so he's, I, I really like what they do with the visual effects and the audio effects here. With that, with uh, like seeing double ish, yeah, double exposure, and sound. And... Just you can hear somewhere in the back. There's voices, but they make no sense at all. I mean, I've had hangovers like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink that much, so I. I don't, I don't a, have the experience. You're but. a wiser man than I, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really like what they did uh, with the visual effects here. And he just, 
starts eating the food, just stuffing it into his mouth, just to because he's been told you need to eat. That should make the pain go away. Yeah, and so Crichton is having a really tough time of it, but mm-hmm. Dargo is the same as he has been. He's very cheerful, very uh, content, and so is Zan. She's she's never felt this much contentment. They keep saying content, yeah. Yeah, that's actually something I want to point out because they keep saying they're content. They never say they're happy. They're content. Which I find a very clear distinction because contentment is like I'm okay with how things are right now. Yeah. And happiness, like one step further, I guess it's hard to it's hard to describe. But happiness can be, be a motivator. Contentment is just like I want to. I'm I'm pleased with how things are, and I'm gonna. I mean, contentment isn't are. a bad thing in no, some ways. No, not at all. But the fact but it's like it's not driving yeah. them anywhere. It, no, they want to stay where they are. It's not entirely how I see contentment, but I think for this case, it's very clear that that is what it's doing to them. Yeah. So Crichton has realized that, oh shit, Zan's got the same problem that Dargo has. I like that he's like, no, 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 I can't lose you. She, he's, he actually needs her on this. It's like, no, no, sorry, John, you're on your own from here. Well, yeah, I think what we've seen so far is that a lot of the rest of the crew look to Zan for strength and for comfort and for, like, as a... John especially, because yeah. so far away from home, and Zan's the only one that's in many ways, on his side. Yeah, and she seems to be the one on the surface who is the most together and knows what to do. So, yeah, if she's being taken away by this effect, then he's in a lot of trouble. Yeah, he's missing that rock. Yeah, and he's got to figure it out by himself. Yeah. But because he realizes that Zan is under the same influence that Dargo is, he can't tell her what happened to him. He can't tell her about the worm or anything else. No, they, they ask, like, they did something to me. What did they do? You know what? Never mind. Don't don't it's even nothing. worry about it. Don't even worry about it. It's fine. So yeah, they go to the celebration because tomorrow is a rest day. <sighs> <laughs> so they go into the celebration in the bar from where they've been before, and the woman who is named Tanga, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, the woman who grabbed Crichton the first time, grabs him again, and uh, her father is there as well, who was one of the guys who injected him or put the worm into him, and. They're kind of explaining a little bit about what's going on because Crichton would like to know. Yeah, no, really. <laughs> and her father says, you know, the worm thrives on the toxin in the food, uh, which is called tannip root. And so it keeps him immune from the effects. Yeah. Because clearly what's been happening is they're farming the tannip root, they're eating the tannip root, and the tannip root is making them... Uh, docile, Docile, and, yeah. And very obedient. Yes. And for some reason not make making them realize that they're basically always one day away from the rest day. Yeah, it's some kind of definitely... Which a... never gets explained, actually. <laughs> it's just, it must just be like a command given to them. It's like, don't worry, tomorrow is a rest day. They're, they're not themselves. Yeah, but they, the next morning for some reason they know it's a work day. I'm like, don't, don't worry about it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, uh, maybe it's subliminal messaging. That could be yeah, the case. Actually. Something like that. And they say to Crichton that, okay, you have to act like you're affected, otherwise people are going to figure this out and try and kill you. Exactly. Some people uh, on the planet are actually naturally immune. They don't know why, they just know that they are. So then Volme, who is the white sort of albino woman from the beginning with the red eyes, and actually she dresses in white as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she comes over to speak to John. And so he puts on the act of, yeah, man, I love it here. I'm so con- 
He actually does a peace sign as well, like, hey. You know, I, what I really like is that when, when he meets her for the first time at the beginning, oh, right, she yeah. does, uh, he does the peace sign as, uh, as he gets introduced. And I like that when she meets him this, she does That's the same it sign. It's like, aw. <laughs> she remembers. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, but she's also very interested in Moye or his ship. Yeah, it's like, how big a ship is it? Could you, you know, put things in the cargo hold? How many things? Yes, yes, it's a very big ship. <laughs> what I like is that John is actually doesn't lie because he thinks, all right, let's follow this and see where it goes. Yeah, I like that John's like, okay, okay, I'll I'll see what you, what game we're playing here. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll play along for a bit. So yeah, at this point, Aaron has contacted John and has told him about you know Rigel's body is turning explosive because of the food. Yes. <laughs> Possibly. Basically what he's eating has turned all his liquids into boom boom <laughs> stuff. Because yeah uh, it's clearly the toxin in the tannet root which is making everyone else docile is acting weirdly with his Hynerian it's biology. It's opposite to Bryce's <laughs> fluids. Those fluids are no, no longer docile. They're, they're rebelling right now. Uh. I also like that she's slightly talking about all the things she had to do and the slight frustrations she has with that. And you yeah. can see John smiling slightly at that. It's like, oh. Because remember, like, John's the scientist and he's like, I remember that in, like, you know, university or, like, my... Yeah, degree. but also, he's also realizing, like, she's actually doing this. Like, <laughs> oh, that's actually kind of cool. And, yeah, John then confronts Tanga again. It basically, he pulls her into the carriage this time around. And, like, it's like... You want to scream? You want to draw attention to us? I don't think you do. It's like, okay, how do I get this thing out of me? How? Are you not saying anything because you don't want to tell me or because you can't get it out? <laughs> I mean, that's the impression I got that it's like, you can't get it out. I think, I think the, the important part is you really don't want to take it out. Yeah, at least not while you're still here. Yeah. And we get some more backstory about what is actually going on here. She says that the others, quote, brought the food here, the Tanit root. Yeah. And they return every half a cycle, so for those keeping score at home, that's half a year. Six months or something. Yeah, to collect the food. And Volme, who is the leader, was selected as their leader, and she has the worm. Basically, she was selected at random, apparently. Yeah. It's like, uh, you. You'll do. You get, to, you get to lead. It's like, uh, excuse me? And Tanga's father is actually very ill, and she's afraid that he will die soon. I like that she, she goes to him in the fields and helps him, and it's like... Look, you need to stay up. You can't lie down. He's like, no, no, no. Just let me get discovered. I'm like, I don't want to be rude, but if they find out your immunity is natural, they're, they're probably going to grab the people genetically close to you, which includes yeah, your daughter. But he's very clearly absolutely exhausted with the whole he's, thing. And he's an old man, and he's, he's just he's at the end of his energy. Yeah. So after the celebration, because... You know, there's another celebration, because tomorrow's a, a rest day. A rest day. Yeah. Um, Volme invites Crichton to go out for a walk. And she's mm -hmm. talking to him, you know, what's it like in space? How, you know, how I've space? Heard it, I've heard it's cold. We've covered this. It's not. <laughs> I was going to say. Damn it, we've been <laughs> over this. I have that very big in my notes. It's like, capital letter, space not cold. <laughs> we've been over this. If you want to catch up, you just go back to... Exodus from Genesis. It's all explained there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then uh, we go to a cargo, a very vast cargo hangar. Oh, yeah. This is a great reveal. And we reveal. see flags. And the moment I saw that, Tim was like, yeah. Peacekeepers. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's the Peacekeepers. Because this is the flag of Peacekeepers, which we've seen before 
on like peacekeeper ships. Also, uh, when in the previous episode, actually, when uh, Aaron was fighting the spy who had come aboard uh, Moya, there was actually like a big mat on the floor with that design on symbol it. Symbol on it. And the moment I saw that, sim I hadn't realized that this was the peacekeeper symbol, but I didn't remember the mat. And I was like, I just put two and two together, and I just realized what both what those signs means, and also why that sign is on the ship. And it's like, uh oh, uh oh. So yeah, the peacekeeper. Simple. For those of you uh, who may not be watching along, it's basically there's a red triangle going into a sort of open uh, hole. It's like a white background. It's divided in, in roughly in half at about 45 degrees to between white and black, except the black mm -hmm. side on the right has got a big white hole in it, and so there's a red triangle going into it. Yes. Basically. You can probably find it uh, Yeah, on if you just internet, search but... for it, you'll, you'll find a very clear image of it. But we see that that's on the flag on these big, long... This is sort of the Indiana Jones thing of a big, empty room that stretches back and back with lots of uh, containers. You can't, see the, you can't see the back or the ceiling, basically. Yeah, there's actually a sort of monorail or train line going through it. It's at, at I just realized that means it's probably insanely big. It's actually. massive. And so it's full of all this tannet root that they're apparently farming for the peacekeepers. Uh-oh. I like that John, as she's asking, like, uh, what's space like? Uh, uh, I guess a ship could be uh, also a home. And I like John's really playing up the, I'm very content. It's like, oh, I love it here. <laughs> it's like stonewalling her by being so obsessively ignorant. Like laying it on thick. <laughs> happy. It's like, you can, you can actually block a few questions with that. Just it's being like, like it's a home. but I like it here so much. It's like... <laughs> Playing smart. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yes. So, yes, she's asking, you know, how much of this cargo could you take? <laughs> so she can sell it off because it must be valuable. Because here's the thing, like, all they know is that they farm it and that the peacekeepers come and get it. Yeah, the peacekeepers want it. They don't know what they want it for. But Volme has quite rightly assumed that, well, it must be valuable. So what she's trying to do is... Basically, steal a ship, load it up with cargo, get the hell out of there, and sell it off. Yeah, basically, get rich on their own. Yeah, which I guess is understandable <laughs> to try oh. and get out of that, but she doesn't seem to want to take anyone else with her. No. So, yeah. <laughs> Tiny bit selfish. So, now, Aaron and Rigel have joined Crichton back down on the planet. Yes, because he's asked them to uh, come down. Yeah, because he's like... He has a plan. God, Crichton, and Crichton commits one of the dumbest tropes in television and film. I don't have time to explain what's going on. Yeah, that's actually pretty... Well, to be completely fair, he doesn't say because, like, I don't have time to explain. He's also like, I don't feel like explaining because I'm having a shitty day. I don't feel like going through this whole conversation, having a discussion with you if it's a good plan or not. It's like, yeah. I got, I have a worm in my gut. I have uh, slept horrible for two days. It's just, I've been keeping up this act. No. I'm sorry. You do what I, just, yeah. Can you shut up and follow my lead on this for once? <laughs> do what I tell you to do. And Aaron actually go, I, rightfully goes like, Tell me what's going on. I, and also, you think this is complicated? And she starts completely ranting about all the things she had to do. And it's like, I have all these pieces, but the enemy was trying to kill me. It was a set of puzzles, and it was pretty complicated. And I had to use my brain for once. It's like a field exercise. And like, and John is getting very amused by this. It's like, oh, you turn in your pulse rifle for the junior chemistry kit. <laughs> I think he's, yeah, he's very amused by Aaron being out of her depth. Yeah, but he's also genuinely, I think, proud or happy. Yeah. 
in some no, way. No, he, he is. Because, again, like he was the first person to say to her that she can be something other than the peacekeeper she was bred to be. And that's mm-hmm. what she's doing. She's doing that with you know, help from Pilot and so on. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like John being very quite happy about this. He's like, <laughs> oh. But the, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Good work. But I do think I'm... I'm pretty sure, like, during this, he's like, okay, I, I don't want to explain. I also don't have time to explain. Then, okay, in the amount of time that it took for both of you to rant about what's been going on with the two of you, you would have had plenty of time to tell Erin exactly what was going on, and she probably yes. would do what you were asking. Well, at least it's not the Destiny <laughs> I don't have time to tell you why I don't have time to tell you stuff. That was... I will... <laughs> That's we, that. Well, that's a someday, discussion for another podcast. Someday, I am going to rewrite that entire script. <laughs> that is still on my list of things to do, <laughs> especially uh, because of that freaking sentence. It's okay. It's okay. Dutch hyper rage. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, what John wants really is he wants to get Dargo and Zan back and get out of there. Yes. So he goes to the party. Yeah, he goes to the party again because tomorrow's a rest day. <laughs> and I like that uh, and he he's sitting on the bar and Volme is like uh, I, I want you to bring down the other two immediately and it's like oh they're already down ah yeah. great bring them to me and she's like nah not gonna happen yeah, and so she's like excuse me <laughs> pardon yeah so this is the point at which John is like alright lo- no more messing around I I love that I love this scene <laughs> because I was hoping that was going to happen. That at some point she commands him, is like, nope. He's like, ah, uh-uh, no. Nope. So she gets mad. Zan and Dargo are like, hey, what the hell are you doing? And because they've sort of taken it outside. Yes. And they're confronting her in the street. And um, Aaron is there pointing a pulse rifle at uh, Volme and it's like, give us back our friends. But uh, Zan and Dargo are upset about all of this, saying, hey, this is our home now. And yeah, if and ne- if Dargo this- actually start, stands between. Volme and uh, Aaron's gun at this point. Yeah, he says, if necessary, also, Dargo will kill Crichton to protect this place. And Crichton then reveals the next step in his plan by calling out for Rigel. <laughs> and what's the plan for Rigel to do? He pees. He pees on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't just like a defi- gesture of defiance. They didn't completely flush out all of the toxins, I mean, so his pee is his peeing he- fire. He defrosted Rigel before he was completely flushed. It's like, he's just basically peeing fire, like you said. It's like, all his pee is lining on the floor and just going <laughs> everywhere. And it's like, Whoa. nice fireworks display. And Dargo is completely confused, shell-shocked almost. <laughs> and I like that it's like, uh, thank you for that display, uh, Rigel. So you see, the tenant root, when you mix it with the right chemicals, turns into a weapon. Yeah, Aaron points out it's the same thing that fuels her pulse rifle. Shotgun. Oil. Shakan oil, yeah. I know. Shakan oil. Okay. I heard, I know it's shakan oil, but I heard (laughs) that's like, that's shotgun oil. Come on. It's just a way too easy stuff to make. Uh, But uh, Volme says, no, wait, they told me it was used for food. And Crane says, nope, they're lying to you. They're lying. And she's like, even then, like, we can't do anything. And Aaron's like, well, I can tell you how to turn the the root into shakan oil. You can probably make these guns yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay, even if we can turn the root into chak and oil, we don't have any weapons. So John says, well, make some. Like, you are not so useless that you can't do that. You have the power to do it. You've just been told that you don't. And I like that the old man now shows up and is like, We've, we did it before. 
Yeah. You used to do this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Because this is something that uh, is brought up is that this planet didn't... This isn't where, like, the Tanit root natively grows. No. The peacekeepers brought this in there. This used to be a garden planet. Yeah, with a whole sort of verdant uh, greenery all over the place that's been taken up by farmland for the Tanit root. Yeah, and it's been basically been destroying the land it lives on. So they're like, look, we can fight back. We used to do this. We used to make weapons. We can fight back. And Volmai is like, no, no, we can't do this. We're, like, they control us. And John's like, no, 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 no. You control this yourself. Yeah, you have the power to, to do something about this. Yeah, and actually at this point, Darg was shell-shocked because yeah. he just realized peace, these people are working for the peacekeepers. And that, no matter how this strong this brute is, that mm. just... I do like that it, yeah, it shocks him and Zan out of it to be like... And everybody else for some reason. Yeah. Which I'm like, uh, I, I, I mean, I assume like everyone else that. knows broadly what the peacekeepers, who the peacekeepers are. You'd expect them to figure it out the moment the peacekeepers show up every half cycle to pick the stuff I mean, up. you're assuming that they show up as peacekeepers. That's fair. That's and a good point. I also like what Crichton does here is that he says, okay, it's your choice. It's up to you. You can start rebuilding tomorrow if you want to. And, you know, from Tanga's father uh, appeals to her, but she just says, no, we can't do it tomorrow because tomorrow is a rest day. There's a real rest day. An actual rest, rest day. day. It's like, I've been working my people to basically <laughs> do other exhaustion. If we're going to fight back, we're taking the day off tomorrow first. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, no, not messing around this time. Like, for real, an actual rest day for once. Yeah, and I, re I really appreciate that. It's like, okay, you've been working hard enough. If we're going to do this... Everybody just gets an actual rest day first. I also like that it kind of is a bit of a fake out of like, yeah, I no, also like that. not tomorrow. It's like, oh no, because tomorrow's a rest day. It's like, hey, a real Actually, one. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate I, I love that one as well. And so now they also get uh, Dago and Zan back and they can leave. Yeah. Hooray. You get some fun uh, exit scenes uh, actually here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of good stuff in these last scenes. Well, because uh, we head back to Moya. Uh, uh, because actually, it turns out you can you can get the root the worm out of uh, Crichton. It's not. Yeah, it's actually quite easy. But it's apparently. not pleasant, but uh, <laughs> like, Aaron Aaron does it in this case. Even they don't <laughs> even need Sam for this one. Aaron does it. Yeah, it's, it's like oh, there we go. It was was it was just as easy as they, as they told me. Huh. <laughs> so yeah, it seems like earlier on that uh, Tanga just didn't tell John how to get no. it out. <laughs> it's like no, we need you right now. But it's it's removed, so everything's fine. Um, I like that Rigel and because both Rigel and John at that point have been uh, under Aaron's care and John's like what's up with her when she thinks she's a scientist now <laughs> <laughs> and then she tells both of them to stop sulking and yeah, get like, ready to save your asses shut up yeah and get ready for Starburst because we're getting out of here yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah actually she seems very pleased that she triumphed she says you know triumph for once using her mind I like that John's like, it, it doesn't have to be this once. Yeah, again, you can you be... You can be more than this. You can do this more often. And Aaron actually thanks him. He says, thanks for your, thanks for your help. And again, she's really growing into more already more than she was. Yeah, as a, she's as a already... I mean, even if this is about the level of chemistry she ever, ever reaches, it's probably more than most peacekeepers can, <laughs> can muster. It's like... Yeah. And I also like that as John leaves, that actually Aaron's like, look, I'd let Dargo come to you. Don't look him up uh, and talk to him about this. Just let yeah. him come to you. And that's, again, 
she's giving him some very useful advice. Yeah. Like, look, I'm a soldier. He's a soldier. I know. I know how he mm. thinks. Let him come to you. Don't yeah. push this on him. Yeah, which of course he, he quite wisely does. But uh, meanwhile, speaking of Dargo, he's actually talking with Zen. You know, after they've both uh, recovered from the effects of the Tanit root, and <laughs> Dargo's actually quite upset. I, I found this scene very touching. Yeah, this is very, very this is a very nice scene because he says maybe he's destined to never be happy. <laughs> you know? It's like, and they, they, I like that he's like, when I when I used to be a kid, I dreamt of. Two lives, and Zan's like two. Only two hundred. <laughs> it's like okay, Zan. Not everything is a competition. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you remember the pilot where she said, "You know, I've seen two battle campaigns." Only two. I mean, it's it's, it's like, the same thing again. It's like, God damn it, Zan. <laughs> no, but I I do appreciate it. that. And he tells he tells her like one one life uh, one life he imagines to be a great first warrior strike. Fear than the harvest enemies on, mm. on the battlefield, and the other was to have a normal life, a be simple a family, life, yeah. work the line with his own hands, which is exactly what he's just been doing. And yeah, and she says like you had that for five whole days, yeah, like, but it wasn't real. Well, I, what I like is that he says that you know he's destined never to be happy because he he thought he had found happiness and then it was turned out to be a lie and was taken away from him. Mm -hmm. But Zan kind of said, takes the approach of well. You were happy for five days, you know. That's not. Yeah, it's it, it still counts for something. Yeah, exactly. But I really like the way she um, responds to his when he says, "You know, I've dreamed of two different futures: a warrior and a simple life." He says, "Dreams can't be found; they have to be built." Yeah. And his hands are strong, and there's plenty of time. I, I really love that. It's such it's a like, good line. I love that. It's like, look, dude. One, you have the time for this. You're still young. Don't write it off as something that's never going to happen. Two, look, this is not going to throw itself into your lap. You're going to yeah. have to actually work for this one. That and again, this is what I, I probably my favorite thing about this episode is that how that line and uh, Aaron's bit about trying to become a scientist and pilots, uh, you know, what he talks about is that it kind of refutes this whole mythical thing of follow the, your star and find the dream and follow it's like no it all takes hard work yes and that should not dissuade you from doing it because yes it takes hard work but you are more than capable of doing that you have the ability to to do that exactly and just because you you didn't find your dream or you didn't uh, you know fall into that that doesn't mean it's impossible I love any any form of media that doesn't tell people to follow their dreams and actually tells them to get off their ass and work. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, not not not, not follow following your dream, your dream is the work is the, for your dream. Work for your dream, exactly. That's the that's that's the like, we're getting well, at. I I think it's a picture that's uh, you've probably put it on Tumblr as well at some point. Like you see somebody making three drawings, like I don't have the talent, and they just crumple up three yeah. drawings, like I don't have the talent, like the other person, and you see a picture of the other person, air quotes, and just stacks of yeah. discarded uh, 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 pictures lined up not next to them. Like, mm. that's why that other person has quote-unquote talent, because they work their asses yeah. off. All, all, you know, as people on, just uh, as observers, all you see most mostly uh, is the end result. 
Yes. So it's very easy to That's... look at people who are very accomplished and at whatever it is and think, oh, they must be so talented. It's like, no, they've put in a lot of work to get where they are. And it doesn't, and it's actually something that is perfectly possible for many other people to do. Um, and like, I, I see, funny enough, like, both of us are science communicators, actually. We both studied uh, science communication in some form at university. Um, uh, I don't know if this has been your experience with the science side of things because you were biology. Mm -hmm. But when I told people that I was studying physics, a very common response was, oh, I could never do that. Like that, I was never. I would, I could never study that, or I could never do this, or, I, or it's like I wish I was good at drawing, or I wish I was good at math. It's like, it, all of those things take work. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, and, and I I want to grab those people and say, you are capable of this. You're more capable than you think you are because I mean, you've been fed this myth of people are super talented and don't have to do oh, hard work. It's like they oh, do. They it's like. I'll, t I'll actually tell you a story about how I found that out because I used to I, I coasted through the entirety of, uh, of primary school and secondary school mm. a, a large part of secondary school on talent alone yep. I didn't have to work that hard and I bumped into and I know there's you always in academics in, in studying you always bump into that one yeah because I think it was my f there basically secondary school six years here if you go for the highest uh, tier Mm -hmm. And I bumped into it in my fifth year. I did yeah. not pass that year because at that point my talent basically was enabled to keep me up there. I I pa didn't pass that year. I was bummed out like hell. Yeah. But that taught me like, look, you're gonna have to work your you're gonna have to work. I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm I work my ass off as much as other people because no. I don't. I have seen people who work twice yeah. as hard as me. I do, and I'm glad they get further along than I do because <laughs> I feel very bad if I did, didn't. But at that point, Elria is like, look, your talent has run out. You're going to have to start working for this. And sure, I, yeah. I'll admit, biology, I have that twist in my brain which allows me to see some <laughs> connections faster than other people. Sure. But I still need to work on a lot of other stuff. There's a yeah. lot of things I had to force myself through. A lot of courses I didn't like that weren't just weren't for me. You just need to yeah, brute force your way through. You need to work on those. Yeah, and just again, I I really like that. That seems to be, or at least what I took out of this episode, the message is that hard work trumps talent every day of the week. Talent, dreams, whatever it is, you know, you have to work at it. Yeah. And so, if you do, if you feel that you haven't found your dream or that you're not talented, it's going to take work, but you, it is something that you can do. I mean, something I've realized is that sometimes you just don't want something enough that you'll be a, you're yeah. prepared to put the work into it, and that's like, well, then it might not be the thing for you. Absolutely. And there are things that I wish I was as there's things like I wish I could do that, but then again, I also realize I'm not prepared to put the work in, so I probably yeah. don't want it enough. Yeah, exactly. You, if you do really want something, you will be prepared to do all yes. the work to do it. You should, and you should, and you should do because it's. Yeah, it's something you want. But you also need to realize that you probably can't do everything. No. And it's also in what Crichton says to Volme, because they're convinced that they, you know, we, we don't have the ability, we can't fight back, we don't have his... And he doesn't actually say, you know, we'll give you weapons, or we'll give you this, or we'll find this for you. It's like, no, you can. You are capable of this. Yeah, I think that's a very good note. Uh, so, yeah, that was... I mean, that, 
that was the episode like actually only only in doing this podcast have i realized quite how much of that was in there but otherwise it was a very sort of kind of uh straightforward plot of like let's get the people out of here and peacekeepers are lying bastards mm-hmm. Rytel's got explosive pee <laughs> you know? like regular farscape things yeah and then there's this message of you know self-determination and all that stuff which i really like i i hadn't realized it until we talked about it yeah uh, i'm i'm a right huge well. i'm a huge fan of that in anything and yeah i love it so mm-hmm. good yeah. So, yeah what do we th- i mean what do we want to give this episode uh, I th- I was gonna go for four, but I'm slightly edging towards. Mm. I think four is probably about right. Yeah, I think I, I, I think s- so. I think it's a high four because of that message. Yeah, I think purely because of my own five. <laughs> I mean, Full May is probably keeping it from being a five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's not as bad as Matala from uh, Back and Back and Back to the Future. The God, last no, episode. no, because <laughs> that character's like. That just, no. That was way over the top. This isn't yeah. quite as over the top, but it's still a little bit distracting. Yeah. I, I, I still, it, it fits in, kind of, but it, does. It, it never gets explained why she's so very different from the rest of her people. Which... Yeah, not really. I also like the little bit of world building it does in that uh, peacekeepers don't just use bullets. They use oil, apparently, in their guns. And they, and they also apparently use some forms of mind control. Well, yeah, I think it was the fact that the Tanit route makes people docile that they exploited. Mm-hmm. And that they will just dump it on, they'll just choose a planet to grow it. With, yeah. no, with no regard for the natural life that's already I mean, there. Aside from the peacekeepers being assholes, the Tanit route is actually pretty versatile while we're at it. Yeah, it's like... like it's a mind control agent, it's apparently edible, good, good enough to sustain somebody's body. It's also used to make guns, like... Yeah. It's like some sort of miracle Multi-purpose. <laughs> Multi-purpose food. Next you're, you're going to tell me it's, it's, uh, it cures the common cold. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, it might give you a fever if you've got the right <laughs> kind of biology. <laughs> Fair. Uh, uh, but yeah, this was, this was a good episode with, I think, I think the standout parts were absolutely the bits at the end with uh, Zan and Dar- uh, Dargo and the bits with Pilot and Aaron. Yes, um, I think very much those were my favorite scenes. I mean... I have a soft spot for Rigel peeing fire because that's <laughs> hilarious. A good, let's just say it's a good third. I'll take it as a very good third. Yeah, but those two scenes are very... Uh, I, uh-huh. I just say how much I love that they're doing... How much they're able to do with that sort yeah, of small I, amount like, of time. Char- character moments, and they don't need more than these. If they keep adding them in every episode, you can build these arcs over a season. Yeah, and it's like this. This is my jam. I'm I'm into this, and God, yeah, this was a good one. And I, like I said, we're we're on we're on a roll. We're on a train of enjoyable, good Farscape episodes. Yeah, and this is season one, and this was episode six. I mean, if they, I mean, if they keep this up, I'm uh, yeah, I might end up. We're gonna need a bigger lowering podcast. My, lowering my <laughs> score because they end up being like, <laughs> this just becomes the average. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll extend the score so that uh, it's all, it's out of ten, but keep the ratings from the original. I hope not. I don't know if that works, but <laughs> we'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. But yeah, that was uh, thank God it's Friday again. Next up after this is oh hello, PK Tech Girl. Yeah. And for those of you playing along at home, PK. Well, you can probably figure out what that stands for. Peacekeeper. So I I think this is uh-huh, going to be an uh-huh. Aaron-focused episode. I can dig that. 
can you say character growth? <laughs> Yay! Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to basically these every week anyway, so... Yeah, I'm actually enjoying this a lot. Yeah, it's been it's been good so far, and we've got so much more to go, so I'm sure it will continue to be so. And, yeah, that'll be it. Join us next week for PK Tech Girl. If you want to support this podcast, it is brought to you by the Can't Wear Hats Patreon. That is patreon.com slash hats, where you can back to support this and all the other stuff that I do, which is live streams and potentially a bunch of other projects that are, let's say, in the works. And you can find my live streams at twitch.tv slash hats. You can go to YouTube slash hats for archives and more episodes of Fastgate Rewatch. And there's also Twitter at hats for all of uh, to keep up to date with what's going on, and stay tuned for a website coming soon. Yes, and if you feel like looking me up on Twitter, I have no idea why you won't want to do that, but <laughs> crazier things have happened. You can find me at uh, Vidalkin Entry. Yeah, and you're also on Twitch as well. Yes, I am, on Red Nightmare 7. All right, so that's where you can find both of us, and as always, I've been Karma Hats. I've been Red Nightmare. And that's been the Fasket Rewatch, and we'll see you next week for PK Tech Girl. But in, but don't worry, everybody. Tomorrow is a rest day. Yes. Goodbye for now. <laughs> Goodbye. Hats! Where is he? Oh, God. Bring me hats! Shh, I'm hiding. It, it's the Dutch Hyper Rage. Oh, God. Oh, shit, I think he saw me. Ah! Oh.